This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Hello, welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Bill Hendricks. I'm the Executive Director for Christian Leadership at the Hendricks Center. In the past couple of years, we have dealt with a worldwide pandemic, and in the midst of all that, we're also now dealing with a global uh, epidemic of pornography. And we want to talk about that today. We've talked about that before on the Table podcast, so this is in some ways a, a, a revisit on that very important topic. And to do that, we've invited back Josh Proctor, who is the founder and president of Caleb Ministries, which is a group that helps people experience the truth of the gospel in order to free them from addiction to pornography. And uh, Josh is married to Kelly, and they and their eight children live here in the Texas area. And I would just point out that Josh's organization is named in honor of Josh and Kelly's son, Caleb Micah, whom they lost in 2010. Sorry about your loss. No, thank you. But it sounds like you're trying to redeem, use that name redemptively. Well, it's interesting because when the Lord really prompted us to do that, I felt like it was, I was like, God, I don't want a shrine to my son. Right. And I just, just you know, very much sensed in my heart from the Holy Spirit, Josh, I want you to raise up Caleb Micah men. That's men, great. Men who are storming the hill at 80 for the kingdom. And men who speak of you know living justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. I like that. We're going to come back to that. Cool. Also with us today is Dr. Jay Sedwick, who's the chair of the Department of Educational Ministries and Leadership here at Dallas Seminary, where he's taught for 22 years, and he informs that teaching by more than 40 years of youth ministry experience. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So tell me how you guys know each other, because you have some history together. We do. You yes, wanna, we do. You, you, want, you want me to tell you, that story? You, you do it. Okay. Go for it. All right. Well, um, our children have all gone to a Christian school in South Arlington called Grace Preparatory Academy, and I first met Josh when he was brought on as a high school uh, football and basketball coach, actually junior high, junior high. football yep. and basketball coach, and my son was that age. And so uh, sixth, seventh grade, and Josh had an, uh, a tremendous influence in his life, and um, we we got to realize the kind of person that Josh was, and I'm a, I'm a strong believer. In fact, I teach it in my youth ministry classes that um, you need to have more than just you and your wife or just your spouse involved in pouring into the lives of your kids. You need to have other significant adults also doing the same thing. And so Josh was one of the the people that we invited into our safety circle, so to speak, to have an opportunity to pour into our son's life. And so he had a strong influence on him during those early years of his preteen and teenage years. 
One of the things that happened early on was Josh started to um, tell my son and the, his group of guy friends uh, about the dangers of pornography <laughs> and some of the warnings and the things that they need to be really paying attention to in their own hearts and lives and guarding what they see and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, as Josh would tell his story. And um, my wife was initially pretty angry with that. She was like, what is he doing? He should not be talking to our son about pornography. This is crazy. He's 11 years He's old. Corrupt him. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she just did like, no, we don't want those thoughts and ideas. And uh, what she didn't realize is a lot of what we have come to realize in mm-hmm. that as how how uh, invasive it has become in our culture, in our in our young people, in our children. And in younger and younger all the time. Absolutely. So we were just visiting uh, before Beforehand at lunch today, and he told me that uh, he ran into my wife at the grocery store <laughs> not long ago. Yeah, uh, and you know, my son is now 23 years old, married, and you know, and and she walked up and she said, "Thank you." Mm. Thank you so much wow. for what you did early in our son's life and and impressing on him how important it was to stay away from this and to guard his heart and to put up the the right kinds of barriers and protections and things like that um, because it has made a cr- a tremendous difference in our son's life and his growth and development and so we're very thankful to Josh he's played an important role in our son's development so we have a bond um, yeah. through through my son so those are kind words man thank you you're welcome. Thank you. So this is going to sound like an obvious question, Josh, but what was it that compelled you to confront these young men? You said how old were they? He was 11. Okay, 11 years old. The football team was 6th, 7th, 8th grade kids. Right. So they could be so middle school anywhere, football grade. anywhere yeah. from 11 to 14. Yeah. You know, that that's not something most – I think most coaches would go, now, boys, let me talk to you about porn. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. They're working about X's and O's and where's the hole and how do you do that? Yeah. So uh, – so the, the reason I was coaching was because it's a – I just, like, you know, the school was great because they gave me opportunity to, you know, with stuff in, you know, in chapel, speak in chapel, and, you know, got to disciple a lot of young men and to coach a lot of young men. But to me, coaching was a means to an end. Coaching was an opportunity, you know, to invest in their life. All right. And uh, it had come to my attention <clears throat> that there were some of our young men who had been – you know, rumored to be doing this on the campus, like looking up stuff on their phone. And and at first I was like, man, that's bad. Like, they don't need to be doing that. I was like, but yeah, I mean, but, you know, kid, kids do that. And the Lord was like, so when are you going to tell them? I'm like, when am I going to tell them what? And he's like, when are you going to tell them your story? And I was like, God, I don't really want to do that. Mm. And but I just remember just clearly from the Lord just saying, Josh, just warn them. Hmm. Warn them of what it can do to their heart, what it can do to their brain, um, and tell them the journey you had to walk through to freedom. So, so I did. So the, let me just pause there, because you kind of alluded to a lot of people are like, oh, you know, boys will be boys. It's just a stage you go through, right? That's kind of an attitude that's out there. But given your background and experience, you're saying, oh, no, 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 there's something more here. Talk about that. So, well, there's two things I would say to that. Number one, any sort of a sexual sin struggle, um, what people are now realizing is there's usually an intimacy blockage mm-hmm. that leads to the sexual sin struggle. Right. So it's not just boys will be boys. Um, 
<clears throat> or even now, like where we're at culturally the last 10, yeah. 15 years, you know, girls. Girls will be girls. Yes. Right. But there's something else maybe going on in the heart. Mm. And so that's one issue. The second issue is um, digital porn affects the brain differently than what like all of us may have grown up with, like in terms of a magazine mm. or a picture. It, it just it affects the brain differently. And so there, there's even a – So if I could use the drug analogy, it, it, it's, a, it's a higher order drug. Oh, it, yes. It, it's doing something much, much more serious to the brain. Fentanyl versus morphine. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a really good way to yeah. say it because digitally, you know, when you, when you finish the mag, you're done. But with the internet, like it's click, 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 or swipe, 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 swipe. I mean, like there's no end. There is no end. That's right. And so that's why it's um, so dangerous and because of how young they are. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, their brains are still forming. And so it, so that was kind of, again, I just think that's why the Lord wanted me to, and the school gave me some freedom to roll. And so I said, let's roll. <laughs> Well, Jay, let me let me address this question to you with the the idea here of the digital porn, the internet, because um, it's it's evident that youth are now growing up in a society where porn is legal. It 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 there's universal access. It's everywhere, and so for that reason, it's becoming normalized, like it's considered. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, this mm-hmm. is part of the culture, mm-hmm. and for parents and church leaders and others who would like to keep kids from getting caught up in porn. It just seems like that sheer volume of it, it sort of mockingly is saying, well, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with keeping porn away from your kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How would you respond to Christians who sort of take a defeatist attitude and say, and it's just, you know, it's just, I, I had the bad luck to have kids in a time of porn? Yeah. Well, I think one of the strongest things or most important things you can do, in my opinion, is centered around the family itself, the structure of the family, the way uh, parents are parenting their kids. I think one of the things that and, – and it's always difficult to use yourself as an example, especially if you think you did something right. So this is really dangerous for me to do. Um, but one of the things that we did a lot with our kids is – Lots of conversations, lots of talking, lots of how was your day, lots of who are you with, what did you guys do? And it wasn't an invasive question. It's not like we're checking up on you. It was it was truly born out of we are interested in every aspect of your life. God has given you to us as a blessing. We're taking the stewardship of raising you very, very seriously because we want That's you good. to be strong warriors for him and ambassadors for him in your life. And so we want to be involved in this process. And so um, I would say that a lot of parents have kind of disconnected a little bit, a little bit, kind of pulled back, and they're not a, they're you not do. You, yeah, you see whole families at the dinner table exactly, doing this thing. exactly, oh, yeah. and so and and they're not as engaged with their children like they need to be, like they should be. And there's a bunch of research on that. Yeah, there's right. a, a couple of books that are written about that kind of thing about what we call the abandonment of our young people by the adult population of our of our culture because mm-hmm. we have a media now that can raise them in many ways and. So that's a, that would be my first thing, that the parents have to be far more engaged than they are. Take the role that they have, that God has placed on their shoulders mm-hmm. very, very seriously, and then surround yourself with people like Josh, other adults that are going to be a part of that uh, accountability structure and, and um, speaking into their lives. I think that's huge. That's, one, that's the first thing I would say. Well, 
Josh, it sounds to me like Jay's come right back to a point that you just went to immediately, this whole issue of intimacy. Right. He's talking about parents being engaged with right. their children in a real relationship, which feels like it's very much part of intimacy. Talk about intimacy and and how important that is and, and how that affects this whole drive into porn. So if you if you go back to, to Eden, you know, we were created for perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with others, even perfect connection with ourself. Right. And so when sin enters the picture, that's immediately severed. Um, and then severed for all time. That's why I mean, you know. That's why the gospel exists. That's why Christ came to, to to bridge that gap. But so there's something inside of us that is longing for connection. It's craving for connection. And so, like we were created for that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, when there is that void, and you're saying that's a good desire, absolutely, right? But what happens is when there is a woundedness that takes place or a trauma that takes place, even if it's not a big T trauma, a little T trauma, but if there's woundedness or – my point is when something happens to hurt that hmm. connection and then there's this substitute connection, that's, that's easier. Yeah. It's a whole lot easier to look at porn than it is to have a relationship. Right. And, and you can get the dopamine reward to go with it. Right. But but it doesn't ever do anything for the soul. Mm. And so I think I like I think sexual sin struggle I I just think it's people that want to connect. Mm. And I think they ultimately want to connect with God. Right. So give me some examples. Maybe belaboring the point, but give me some examples of the, some of those childhood traumas and the things that break down that intimacy. So most of the guys that I meet with um, to help them walk in recovery, um, father wound is a big player. And father wound, we're talking abandonment or just abuse. Could be abandonment, could be physical abuse, could be verbal abuse. Um, uh, even just abandonment, they're still home. But they've abandoned them emotionally. They've abandoned. They're not engaged. You know, Dad's way too busy doing his job. Way too busy pursuing his own interests and desires, and you know, whatever for you. And, and stuff, I suspect yeah. we could do a whole podcast with you on passivity of fathers. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. Okay. Well, but even like so, we would say, oh, abuse—that's trauma. Um, Abandonment—that's trauma. But if my dad was passive and disengaged, yeah. that mm-hmm. could be experienced traumatically. Mm-hmm. It just depends on that particular child and the makeup of that child. Well, there's an opportunity cost there because if daddy's off on his own thing and benign neglect, I just leave you alone, mm-hmm. you're like furniture. Not only do you, you don't get the input of a father that you need, your soul needs, you don't know what it's like to be a man, a boy. You don't have anybody helping you think through and process through what you're feeling, what you're thinking, the questions you have. Mm-hmm. You're you're just a non-person. That's pretty damaging. Well, and in addition to that, um, I think a lot of again, a lot of the folks that I have helped, those experiences happen when they were young. And then some sort of sexual exposure then happens when they're young. Mm. In some cases, that's abuse. In some cases, that's just someone showing them porn when they're eight. Right. And so, so there's when there's this void here, and then it becomes quickly filled here. 
that's just what they're into. Yeah. But it's false. It, it doesn't um, – like I, I, I about this – I'm not – like I hate it when we dog millennials and we dog Gen Z because we're all a mess and we all need Jesus. Yeah. The, the, there's just a uniqueness to, to how they've grown up. And they've grown up with a lot of sexual brokenness. Therefore, there's a lot of shame. And that shame affects a lot of their choices. But the – the bottom line is they are the social media generation, they're the video game generation, they're the pornography generation. They grew up with it, as I said. Meaning that it's reward with no sacrifice. Hmm. And so that's appealing. Yeah. But it doesn't – but it never satisfies. Wow. It's a cheap replacement. Yes. That's what it is. It's a cheap replacement for the reward of true relationship. Well, it's like what C.S. Lewis said. You know, we're over here busy making mud pies when we could have a holiday at sea. It's nothing's new under the sun. Mm-hmm. It's just the way the technology has advanced. It's just so yeah. It's a cheaper. It's a very. It's a cheap, cheap, cheap replacement. Yeah, agree, hundred percent. So I want to ask. You know, the 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 family, the 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 parents, or maybe the single parent that says, "Look, I don't want my child to." Grow up and get into porn. Uh, what I'm going to ask, you know, what what do they do? But I want to put that in the context of a church setting, because I don't think all of the burden falls on that parent or those parents to figure this out for themselves. We are we are given the body of Christ for a reason, and there's a community that we need to be a part mm-hmm. of. And and I'm also concerned that that community have some robust strategies with which to help those parents, you know, fulfill their responsibility. So uh, what would you say to the parents and then to the church? Well, yeah, I know you and I talked a little bit about some of the things you wanted to address with the church right. specifically and the way the church responds to this issue so that this might be a good segue into yeah, that. Go for it. But do you want to go with well, that now? Well. Hey, if you open the door, man, I'm running Okay. Through. So what right. I would say is the challenge – give me a minute. This episode is brought to you by The Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on The Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. If a single mom is going to need help from a student pastor or a volunteer leader, then that student pastor and volunteer leader can't be drowning in this themselves. Right. And the majority of what I'm doing right now is helping the guys that are in ministry 
to walk away from this. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. See, that's what and, I'm saying. When you're looking at the church for a lot of help, this is an, a, a pandemic, and it's an endemic mm-hmm. situation that just because you're on staff at a church doesn't mean you're not struggling with oh, this. Oh, absolutely. And that's the bulk of the work that he's doing now is right. staff members at churches. It is it is heartbreaking to hear some of the stuff. Now, he's very careful, confidential, sure. doesn't share anything, but he tells me some of the things, and I'm going, whoa, we are, we are in a much bigger issue problem than I think most people want to admit. Hmm. They don't want to face the reality of how bad this problem truly is and what it's actually going to take to address it properly. There's going to be pain. There's going to be difficulty. If you've got cancer, you got to cut it out. Correct. And and the consequences that come along with some of that, most people are not willing to deal, to deal with. with. So it's easier to hide it. It's easier to keep it, you know, under the table, <laughs> um, so that it's not discovered. It's not found out. So when you say, you know, what can the church do? Um, Obviously, there are things that the church can do, and there's things that church leaders can do to help. There's no question. But you really need to start with them. Right. And make sure that, as Josh said, they're not drowning in this as well. Well, so the options are the person, let's say the church leader, who's struggling with porn, either just says, you know what? I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'm not going to teach on that. I'm not going to preach on that. I'm not going to – somebody comes to me, I just don't even realize – Go talk to the counseling pastor or whatever. Right. That's pretty common, by the way, <laughs> what you just said. Well, well, you talked about the three responses the second, that people the, have. The second alternative is, I struggle with porn. Oh, I'll be glad to teach about it. I, I'm, I'm practically an expert on it, right? I mean, but I'm a, I'm a, hypo- <laughs> I'm a, I'm a hypocrite, right? <laughs> and then now I got all the shame of, of that and the guilt and so forth. The third is, I, I come clean. I say, man... Before I can help others, I got to I got to get on top of this myself. Now what do I do? Because if I approach my elders, if I approach my you know boss at the church, I approach somebody and I come, I'd say, man, I'm struggling. What does the church do? Well, in my experience, there's typically three responses. <clears throat> um, one is you know they, they crucify you. Um, and in some cases, I do think you know, the, if certain stuff is confessed, it, it's fireable for sure. Well, sure. Um, but you can fire someone and not crucify them. You All can right. still help them. You can still be the church. You can be redemptive, even <coughs> if you can't have them in your employ. Mm-hmm. Um, second response is there is a redemptive approach. Um, those first two, at least in my experience, that's all I can go on, are the least common. Mm. The most common is the third, which is it's pretty much ignored after it's shared. Wow. Wow. That, that sounds like malpractice. Well, again, they're not willing to address it for a variety of reasons, one of which we just said. If, if I'm going to ignore it, if, 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 if I'm the pastor and my youth pastor comes to me and confesses this sin and I don't directly address it, mm. one of my questions would be, is he dealing with it right. and therefore realizes he's a hypocrite and doesn't want to address it because he doesn't know how or or wouldn't feel like he should. So, you know, okay, you know, yeah, we all struggle with this and you know, so that's one possible response to it. Another one is the guy's not equipped. 
he just doesn't know what to do. Right. And so, you know, pray. Yeah, and hopefully it'll go away. away. Right. <laughs> Rub a little and, ointment on. Whatever. And most, most again, my experience. Most pastors over fifty that have that I've had conversations. Senior pastors, they're like, "Well, I've never had a staff member share this with me before. So, I, how do what do I do with that?" And my, my first response is in my head. I don't say it out loud because I still want to be able to help. I'm like, "Why have you not ever had a conversation like this?" Right. Like this is not like pornography's new. Like these should like this should be a part of our like like this is how iron sharpens iron. Like you got to ask this stuff. But the other piece of it, I do think, is generational because we don't the, the digital world mm-hmm. is just a completely different. Um, it's just a completely different animal. Yeah, I can see that. But part of what God has called me to is, which is not always fun. It's to be the guy that says, hey, are we going to talk about this? Let's talk about it. And I don't mean talk about it to say that we talked about it, but to actually deal with it. And so then take us into – we're going to give a web address out for your website. You actually have two or three websites to talk about, um, but uh, particularly uh, cravefreedom.com. Um, where you've got a whole program, a whole yeah, regimen. So, so we did a um, – our ministry – Well, I don't say we're non-denominational. I say we're interdenominational. We're just trying to like whatever help. church right. wants help, we're, we're here to help. Um, so the Southern Baptist of Texas approached me and said, hey, you know, because when, when, you're, when you're doing what we're doing, it's like raising funds is hard and all that stuff. And so this here this big denomination comes and says, hey, we'll fund this. You know, do you want to do it? And I'm like, absolutely. And so, you know, cravefreedom.com is a 30-day website tool. Right. What I say is that it helps you get started on your journey to freedom. I like that. Get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not 30 days you to freedom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you hear that. It's not 30 days to freedom. Um, it's really a year plus to freedom. Mm. But what that website helps you do um, is detox. And then maybe possibly discover what's the heart issue behind the idolatry struggle in the first place. So there's always an issue behind the porn. The porn is more of a symptom. Well, what I will say is, because some pastors give me pushback on this, I'm not saying that it's on, like that. There's not a case where it's just the lust of the flesh. I'm just saying that has not ever been my experience with anyone I've helped. Mm. That there, there is an, there's a, there's something underlying, and it goes back to that intimacy thing. But when Jay and I have had, have had conversations, what I've expressed to him, like guys have asked me, why don't you write a book? Why don't you put a workbook out there? But part of why I don't is because we tend to cookie cutter this. But what I've seen with the guys that have confessed, you might go 17 different directions with what's going on in their heart. Yeah. And so what I've had to learn, like people are like, well, you're the expert because you do all this. Honestly, I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Half the time when they're sharing with me, I'm like, God, I don't even know how to respond. Right. Like, God, like, how do I love on this guy after what he just shared? And so what I've had to do is just learn what does intimacy with Jesus look like mm-hmm. so when I'm in that setting, I know how to respond. Now, yes, I have principles 
you know, we're trying to detox the flesh. We're trying to figure out what's going on, the heart issue behind that. How does God want to heal that? What does it look like to have intimacy with Jesus moving forward, have intimacy with others moving forward? Yeah, those are all principles we have, but we're trying to what's really going on in their heart. And so when I talk to a senior pastor, like, guys, you may not know what to do when you're asking your staff what's going on, but you can, out of an overflow of intimacy with Jesus, He can help give you insight to that hard issue. He can help give you insight into what may be going on. And this, and what God has really helped me with is who are the counseling centers I have relationships with? Who are the counselors I know that do trauma therapy that, you know, there's stuff I do well and there's stuff that that's they need, not, they need to do. That's correct. And so I do think we farm out too much. I really do. Yeah. Um, well, the the thing that I love about what you're saying, you know, I don't I, I haven't written a book. Books don't change lives. People and people filled with the Holy Spirit change lives. Amen. It's a life on life. Iron sharpens iron. I rub off on you. And and there's something mysterious that takes place when I bring an issue I'm struggling with to you and I've got shame about it and guilt about it and I'm struggling with it and I put it out there and you receive that and you walk with me through that I now I'm now seen and heard as a person I'm being Amen. attended to Amen. and there's a degree of intimacy right there that's now I sort of experienced for the first time yeah, because you're trying – You're caring about me. Yeah, you're, you're trying to be for them maybe what they missed. Exactly. You're trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And right. the cool part is – and this doesn't always happen – but when the guys in ministry that I have been able to pour into and Jesus did help set them free, now they go into their sphere of ministry mm. and they talk about this stuff. Right. And then they, because I know, like I, for confidentiality, I can't share sure. it. But I know that there are stories of well, he shared with me, and I knew how to help. And so I'm pouring into him the same way you poured into me. You know, I'm not real smart, but I think that's called discipleship. Yeah. And I, I think, and so going back to what you said earlier about like the single mom who comes to the church and says, "What do I do?" Right. I think if we could just. If we could do more of that life on life, so then there are people equipped that I can say to single mom, like, I, I got a great man who can pour into your son hmm. because we, we've done some pouring into him. But I just feel like that – I just feel like we've gotten, at least in this country, not in other parts of the world, but in this country, we have really gotten so far removed from that. Yeah. And, and it grieves me. Like deeply grieves me. It grieves me too, brother. So you can tell. Yeah, absolutely. He feel he feels deeply. I can see, and you can see that. Yeah, and you know God is working through him and using him in significant ways with a lot of people. He 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 rarely does much other than meeting one on one with men. Yeah. I mean, think about how busy he is oh, doing that. Yeah. Like you said, it keeps on giving. Unfortunately. So well, it does keep. But the the fortunate piece to that is when those guys get free, and mm -hmm. then they're able to. Yeah, I mean, because it changes. You know, if they're single, it it changes 
like you know, First Corinthians seven, what Paul says about singleness and the availability to do ministry, it right. changes their heart for the Great Commission. If they're married, it changes their marriage. If they're a dad, it changes, you know, the way they parent. If it 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 just changes the game. I didn't. I, I think I said this the last time I was here. I did not get into this so guys could be pure. I got into this so that men, and yes, it's a female problem too. And I'm like on the female side. There's different reasons why the struggle's there, and I think it's as great there as it is on the male side, but I feel like God has said to me, go pour into men, to raise up men to walk in freedom, to engage in the Great Commission in this this country and beyond, and that's what we're trying to do. But we have to get this sexual sin stuff out of the way. To to make that happen. So they're freed up to do what God's called them to do. Well, you alluded when you talked about name in the ministry after your uh, late son, and you quoted the Micah passage to uh, do justice, seek mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And it occurs to me that in this whole discussion of trying to help somebody become free of this addiction, there's a role for we're not only moving away from something, but we're moving towards something. And, and there's a positive thrust to the person's life that they start to recognize a – I like to call it a positive vision for their life. Yes. That's a great way to say it. Because if I'm – if I if I have something that I desire and it's holy and it's healthy and it's life-giving uh, and, and it really flows out of what, the purpose that God's put me here on earth to do, you know, my, my energies are, are wanting to be devoted toward that. And this porn thing over here – it, it, it loses at least a little bit of its luster. It's like not as interesting and exciting and, and, and life-giving as this calling that God's got for me. Amen. No, that, amen. Absolutely. And, and it, it just strikes me, but you know, this is your field, um, that oftentimes in the fight against not just porn addiction but addictions of all kinds, there's the battle and, and, and people are so focused on the battle of I've, I've got to – I got to lick this thing, and they they sort of miss the, the just like you said. There's this ocean that God has, mm-hmm. not that not just the mud puddle that we're playing in. He's got something beautiful, and purposeful, and meaningful, and life giving that He wants us to be in pursuit of. Well, see, it's like when uh, you know when I used to coach, I was a teacher and coach in our college, and then I've done some student ministry and a pastor. Anyway. And then ended up doing some coaching part-time. You don't need to hear all that. All that to say, when I pour into a guy, it's like we the way we used to coach teams. It's like, I want to fix this part of your game, but it's really not so you're this great player here. Although that'd be great if we, you know, if you get to advance on to the next level, whatever. But then you help the team. Right. It's the larger vision. And if, if, if this part of your game improves, dude, the team wins. If you eliminate from the, this from your life, like it, the kingdom wins. Exactly. It's not just you win. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I mean, Jay alluded to this earlier. It's a cheap, it's so cheap mm-hmm. what we settle for. Mm-hmm. And there's this vision that God wants us to walk in. And yeah, it's hard. And yeah, it's intense. And you're like, God, what am I doing today? But it's just so much bigger than me. And that's why He created me 
for intimacy with him, for intimacy with others, to walk in this calling. And I'm just playing over here. And I have guys who are like, Josh, I, I just want you to help me like get get away from porn. Right. I'm like, okay, but that's not my end game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my end game is great commission, great commandment, baby. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So pornography has put so many people on the sideline. Oh, absolutely. So many people are on the sideline. He could be so much more effective in ministry and their calling, but that has just taken him out of the game. They're 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 injured and limp on the sideline. They can't play because this is killing them. Well, I, I was getting ready to ask you, Jay. A lot of that sidelining is is out of the shame that the person feels from having acted out, mm -hmm. and they're thinking, you know, okay, maybe God forgives me, but but still, I'm he he's got to be so ashamed of me. Mm -hmm. he, he why would. Why would he care about me yeah. after all that? Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, that just goes to the the gospel message as a whole. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans five eight. I love that verse. You That's know, good. God demonstrates its mm -hmm. current, present tense. God stay continually daily he demonstrates His love toward me, and mm -hmm. that while I am yet a sinner, in my sin, Christ died for me. Mm -hmm. My the love that God has for me doesn't stop, it doesn't end, um, it's relentless, and it's pursuing. And a person that is in this and struggling with this, you know, we certainly don't want them to hear, yes, we've talked about how terrible this is, how much of a pandemic, endemic, whatever it is, but there is hope. And God wants them free, God wants to use them, as Josh said, in kingdom work. And they can get help, but I personally think, and I think Josh would agree with me, this is not something you do alone. No. Right. right. This is not That's something online. you can do by yourself. We had a conversation about that earlier today, about a guy that, you know, yeah, I've been free for two months. You know, well, how is he, how is he free? Is right. he, well, I've, you know, I put my phone away, and so I'm not doing it anymore. But, yeah, probably not a successful um, victory over that situation from patterns that we've seen and the way that works. And and guys that have been this particular guy for years. Hmm. And so, you know, what's it going to take for that person to actually get freedom? It, it's going to take help. It's going to take help from people like Josh, counseling services, trauma services, um, pastors and youth ministers and other staff members and friends who have had victory. Right to walk with them. But that's where that shame becomes such a vice grip yep. because I mm -hmm. the person's like, "Oh man, if I if I out with this and they go down the list of all the yeah, things they're going to lose. I mean, surely yeah. I'm going to get rejected." Mm -hmm. We got so, we got to help the church respond better. So what I would this is what I tell every guy that we meet with. We kind of walked them through in the early on in the process. Um, we do a lot Joseph comparison. And we walked them through the person of Lot that you learn about in Genesis 13, mm -hmm. Genesis 19. And you know, for sake of time, I won't go into all the gory details of Lot's life. But let's just say he doesn't win Father of the Year. Right. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> but did you go to Second Peter 2? Lot is referred to as righteous three times. Yeah. And so I say to the person who will listen to this or watch this, I am not defined by my sin. I am not defined by my shame. I am defined 
by if I have received the free gift of Jesus and his righteousness meets me in my sin, meets me in my shame, covers my sin, covers my shame. But what we say to them is, Lot's legacy was not a good legacy. Hmm. So then we talk to them about Joseph, about a Joseph who day after day after day, Genesis 39, demonstrated running away from sexual sin. Right. And that God had a legacy to help a, the known world at the time with a famine and reconciled Joseph with his brothers and reunited Joseph with his dad. And what, what we say to men is, will you let him meet you in that shame? Will you let that righteousness cover you hmm. so you can go be Joseph? You, you can be Lot and be saved. But like we mentioned earlier, or, or we can be Joseph and have this ocean that God has for us. Mm -hmm. Mm. But to your point, Bill, the shame is crippling. Mm. In fact, for some guys, shame even becomes the trigger. That's the thing that keeps them going back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they feel that shame and i got to narcotize that feeling. But the way, the way Jay just said it, in my mess is when Jesus showed up. And if, I, if, if, if the guy's struggling, if the gal's struggling, the family's struggling, if they can see that, that to me is when there's hope. We don't have a lot of time left, but what's, what's been the impact of the pandemic on this whole thing? Well, I know Josh can address that more than I can, but as I read statistically, there's so much more. In fact, I just saw a report uh, today that said the screen time for young people during the pandemic went from just screen time with their phones went from like three and a half hours, which is way too a much lot, on a day, yeah. up to over seven hours a day right? wow. during the pandemic. That's over double the amount of time. You think about a young person with that blasted phone in front of their face for seven hours a day. And then start thinking about the content. Of the that. content that they're viewing and the things that they're swiping through. And yes, um, it, it's it's devastating. And and not just in the area of pornography. There are well, other things well, associated with that say, too. You know that dopamine high is mm -hmm. not just porn. It's games. It's yes. Yeah. You know, it's how many likes I got on Instagram. It, it, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's built into the. It, it's app. feeding so many things that shouldn't be fed that way. Like I said, it's a cheap substitute for appropriate interaction and relationship with family, the body, the community of faith. Yeah, all, That's, the, all the COVID lockdown did was pour kerosene on the fire. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, yeah, mm -hmm. it just took what was bad and made it worse. Well, and gave a lot more opportunity for people oh, since yeah. they were locked up alone. You're, you're isolated, you're alone, mm -hmm. you're bored. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All you, know, you know who made a lot of money? The internet companies. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. They they by the way they were deemed essential businesses. Right. So anybody that worked for any of those companies that provided access to the digital world, who cares about COVID? You're working. <laughs> yeah. You know everybody else shut down. You can't go to work. No, none of that because that was the tie. And so, boy, if you didn't have internet and you didn't have access to that, you were in big big trouble. And boy, did we take advantage of it. Well, this is going to sound a little counterintuitive then. Uh, <laughs> In a lot of what you just said, I know said. what you're about to do. Uh oh! But we're gonna we're gonna try to use the internet redemptively. <laughs> there you go. It's not all bad. It's not all bad. There is some good content on the That's internet. That's right. Beginning with Josh's website, uh, pornfreeshamefree.com. Yes, sir. Pornfreeshamefree.com, and he's got podcasts and videos. 
great content. I mean, how to talk to your kids about sex, experiencing healing from sexual abuse. God meets us in our shame. Sex is an intimate act of worship. There's a new idea. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we mentioned CraveFreedom.com, a 30-day journey toward freedom. And then if you're a, 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 a female, you know, a lot of this talk, we've, we've, ta- we've admittedly said we're three men, we're talking. But there's a whole website, AuthenticIntimacy.com, which is expressly there for women with this issue. Guys, I want to thank you for being a part no, of this. thank it's you. Thanks for inviting us. Flown by, but we've gotten you know down deep, and I appreciate your vulnerability and and wisdom. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Table podcast today. We'd invite you to subscribe to the Table on your uh, favorite uh, uh, podcasting site. For the Table podcast, I'm Bill Hendricks, and invite you to come back and join us next time. Thanks for listening to the Table podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys. You know, a pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology, empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys. You know?